steering and the steering knuckle and other pieces, parts were ready to go at any time. He says, whatever you do, don't go over 40 miles an hour. And just, yeah. Just having flashbacks of all the, all the 70 mile an hour trips I was making back and forth to Mount Vernon during camp. And then I went in and they said, oh, sir, it's worse than we thought. It's not just those, it's this. And we had to take the entire steering column apart because there's a part in there that's broken into five pieces. Wow. Since you could have lost your steering at any point. And I'm just having those flashbacks to my 70 mile adventures on I-71. And then going around all those corners, just try to avoid corners. <laughs> so thank you for praying. Thank you. Thank you all who have lifted me up in prayer as I travel because I'm my own worst enemy sometimes. Because I know nothing about cars or most other things either. So but thank you, thank you. Let's have a word of prayer and get started in our study, Prayer by the Book, today. We're all the way to 1 Corinthians. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us as we study your word, as we walk through this, this uh, letter to the Corinthian church. Help us to grasp what the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is trying to tell them and instruct them about. We pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to give us insight and direction and anointing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is our key scripture for the day. We'll read that and then we're going to look at the church with a split personality. Have you ever met somebody who has kind of a dual personality? They're really nice and then they're really mean. That can be you sometimes. How many of you are just as pleasant as punch until you don't get enough sleep? How, how many of you, uh, you're just fine unless you have a bad headache? Nobody's admitting to that one. Uh, how many of you have some relatives that you just kind of walk on eggs because you never know what kind of mood they're going to be in? You know. Uh -huh. you know. <laughs> well, the Corinthian church in Paul's day had a split personality. We'll talk about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning with verse 12, Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I'll pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, I will also sing with the understanding. <coughs> I'm trying to time it, that uh, uh, battery over there beeps, uh, and I'm trying to time my end of my sentences so it puts a period on the <laughs> Never mind. Oh, Sorry, wouldn't that be cool that if I could do that? Cool. that be cool. 
They had a split personality. And what we mean by that is, throughout the letters to the Corinthian church, Paul praises them because they really, really want to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They want to be used of God. They want to have a Pentecostal service. They, they want the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be evidenced. Uh, they're just falling over each other to have the gifts used. And they want to, they say they want to grow deeper in God and His Word. But they got a problem. They desired the Holy Spirit and His manifestations, the gifts. They weren't all that crazy about the fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is just as important as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because guess where they come from? Holy Spirit. And some people would be all excited about the, the gifts, but not the Christian living of the fruits of the Spirit. They desired the Holy Spirit. They wanted a light show, so to speak. They wanted everything to be happening. And if it wasn't happening, they'd try to make it happen. That's what Paul tells us. They said, we want deep truth. We don't want that superficial truth. We want deep truth from the Word of God. They wanted lively services. Shouting and running the aisles. They wanted it all. But, they had a split personality. They allowed for worldly, sinful behavior in the church. <coughs> Well, how can that be? I thought if you had the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or any of those, that you were a spiritual giant. You know, you're, you're a, a sinner saved by grace with God helping you. You still got the flesh. You still got the flesh to deal with. They wanted all these things to be happening and they would try to make them happen. And Paul had to bring correction to them. But they were allowing worldly, sinful behavior to go on in the church. And uh, Paul had to deal with them about it. The Holy Spirit moved Paul to write to them. And they were proud of the fact that they were tolerant of sin. They bragged about it. Paul calls them puffed up about it. And we'll talk about what the sin was in a moment, but... Uh, some of the sin. This is so similar to things that are going on today Amen. in the church world, in the religious world. People want the, a lot of stuff to happen, but they want to be seen as tolerant of sin uh, because, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Well, that's true. We're all sinners saved by grace. But, it should not be tolerated without being addressed in the church. Are there going to be people that, that I preach to that, that are living in sin? Sure. But woe be to me if I don't tell them about it. It's not that I get in their face, but I preach the Word, and they're convicted by the Holy Spirit and the Word. But the Corinthians were trying to be tolerant 
to the place where they compromised the gospel so that nobody was offended. Nobody was bothered. It was just kind of a lukewarm bath. You know, just kind of go to sleep and be fine. Now look with me at one, just one of the sin issues, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's a lengthy one. And I read faster than some of y'all. You follow along. 1 Corinthians 5, 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality as not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For indeed, as absent from the body but present in spirit, I have already judged, as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that is, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean that the sexually immoral people of this world or of the covetous or extortioners or idolaters since you would need to go out of this world. Don't, don't leave the planet. Uh, he's not saying don't hang around sexually immoral people that you can't live in this world. He says, no, I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named as a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. What I, have I to do with judging those who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are on the inside? But those are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. So what was the sin, that, one of the sins he was listed there uh, that was acceptable to the church at Corinth? Well, more than that. Well, idolatry, he mentions that. But the first sin that he mentioned, incest. Incest was going on in the church, and they were puffed up, we read in other places, because they said, well, see how accepting we are? We need to accept sinners, but they need to have the word preached so that their sin is not acceptable. Paul is saying, I'm not telling you to not hang around 
with every immoral person, sinful dude in the world, or you'd have to be out of this world. He's saying, you'd have to get on a spacecraft. He doesn't know they exist. You'd have to get on a rocket ship and get out of here because there's immorality and idolatry and all kinds of bad stuff going on all around you. He says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. In the church, those who call themselves your brother or sister in the church, and they're still involved in all of the sexual immorality, idolatry, extorting, they're stealing, they're you know, engaged in all of these things. You're not supposed to have anything to do with them. You're supposed to separate yourself from that kind of thing. Over the years, I've had to deal with a variety of things. The first, the Bible tells us that if someone's overtaken a sin, what are we supposed to do? They're in the church, they're part of the church, but sin has overtaken them and they're not responding. You go to them first. You go to them privately. And take another brother or sister with you to talk with them because you're not acting like you're above sin. You're not holier now. You're just saying, Lord prompted me to come to you and share with this. And uh, this also lets you be tempted to get into the same stuff they're into. And he says that they won't receive you. You need to bring it before the church. And if they won't receive that correction, they need to go. I've only had to do it a couple times in 50 well, I was going to say 50 odd years of ministry, but all of my ministry is kind of odd. So, <laughs> but in 50, over 50 years, I only had to do it a couple times. Usually, what happens? I'll go to a person and say, "Hey, we got it's come to my attention that this is going on." They say, "Well, I won't," you know. They get all huffy and don't receive the word. I came not to pick on you. I came to get you to repent, you know, and clean this, this up. And uh, usually they just get fired up. Well, I've had a few cases where they got, they started going to everybody else in the church saying, you won't believe what pastor he has told me to leave the church. That's not what I told them. And uh, so I had to go have a church meeting and address what was going on and let the church know You've got to separate yourself because he's poison. Uh, what does a, one rotten apple do to the, the barrel? <laughs> it sticks it all up. It can rotten the whole thing up. They're all rotten. And uh, you know what's worse than rotten apples is rotten potatoes. Oh, if you've ever been out to the food distribution and there's even one in, in, a, in a pack. You remember it for a while. But for the church to say, we're so liberal, we're so, we're so tolerant that anything can go on and we'll be just fine with it. What does that do for the person who's engaged in sin? What does that do for them? It makes them think they're all right. They keep on going. They think, why should I change? You know, everybody here says it's all right. 
they're probably doing other things themselves. So, and usually that has a, a part in it. Uh, I was talking with a brother uh, that uh, I've known for many, many years, and he was in another part of the state looking for a church. And I said, Pastor Ken, can you recommend a church in my area? And I mentioned one. I says, no, I'm, I'm not recommending. I'm just telling you this is a church. He says, oh, we tried that. I said, oh, what what'd you think? And he said, well, he says, uh, a lot of smoke and mirrors and lights and bombastic stuff, but in their small groups, they were drinking like fish. They were a bunch of alcoholics, and they just uh, hit the booze. And, and so... He says, my, my, my little girl was with me and she's a recovering alcoholic. I couldn't go to that church for her sake. You know. Uh, they were accepting of incest, immorality, idol worship, you know, and these kind of things and saying, well, that they were puffed up. They were bragging how much like Jesus they were, and just accepting whosoever will may come. Well, it's a little bit different when Jesus says it. You can come however you are. Just as I am, you can come. But that doesn't mean you stay that way. Jesus wants to save us. And if the church says, oh, you're all right, why should they repent? Why should they get their act together? And so the he was talking sternly to the Corinthian church because they were, they were thrilled with their behavior. We don't offend anybody. People can do whatever sin they want and we'll be just fine with it. They can feel at home here. It's a nice thought, but it's not Bible. And Paul says, I want you to just turn loose of them and just turn them over to Satan's hands so that Satan messes with them to the place that they repent and get saved. Get their, their heart together with God. He says, because you're not doing them any good. They're never going to get saved if you accept their sin and say it's okay. And uh, you say, well, that's kind of a hard line, Pastor. I didn't write this. <laughs> not my handman, not my penmanship here. This is the Holy Spirit writing through Paul to a church that was troubled. They thought they were so spiritual. They were having all these fantastic things go on, and they would, if nothing was happening, they'd make it happen, even if it was in the flesh, not the spirit. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, let's talk about this. You need to get your act cleaned up. And another thing that they, they were engaged in, they said, we want the deep truth. We want the deep truth. And, and uh, Paul says, I would love to feed you the meat of God's word, but I can't. What does he say he's going to feed them? Baby's milk baby smell because you're not up to it. Now what, what would happen if you try to 
give a baby, you know, a nice T-bone steak. Grill <laughs> can fetch. They can't chew it. They can't chew it. And even if you cut it up real small, they can't digest it. Uh, that's stuff that babies eat. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, Gerber used to be there. Babies are our business, our only business. Well, not anymore, but but it used to be. They have all these flavors and everything, and but it was all churned up and so that little bodies could digest it. And uh, I've seen some parents that's, oh, we'll just give him a French fry and they'll be fine. And they were up for quite a while that night, <laughs> tending to the little one. Uh, Paul said, I can't give you meat. I just got to give you the baby's milk of the gospel. I just got to give you the entry level stuff because you're, you're not mature enough to handle it. Look at how you're living. You're letting sin go on and you're not challenging it. That's not like Jesus. That's like the world. And they were so puffed up and proud. We accept everyone just as they are. But they were condoning their sin. They were saying, look how liberal, how, how open we are. Uh, the, uh, the old adage uh, that uh, uh, one of my friends used to use, they're so open-minded their brains fell out. <laughs> Paul's position here with this side of their walk was, it has to be dealt with harshly uh, for their own eternal good. And uh, Jesus, this is a quote from Jesus that we studied a few weeks ago when we were in the Gospel of John. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. So Paul is not saying, well, you're so righteous and holy, you don't allow anything in your church. No. We're, how many sinners say by grace in the house today? Every one of us. Yeah, we, we were lost until we were found. And uh, uh, we, how many of you got some stupidity running strong in your, in your genes? I, you know, I, I do stupid things. To how, how many of you got a little stubbornness floating around in the, in the gene pool? And uh, we, how many of you have messed up this week yet already and done some stupid things? Well, but you go to the Lord and you ask his forgiveness. You repent and he says, well, don't trip over that again. Watch where you're walking. And uh, how many of you have again again? And the Lord knows us. The church is not for perfect people. It is for people who perfectly need a Savior. And the only way, our only hope is keep our sins confessed and under the blood so that Jesus can work with us. That was the one side of, of the Corinthian church. They thought they were spiritual giants. And they were dwarfs. They were babies. And uh, 
he had to address that with them. They also said they they uh, we want we want uh, all the gifts operated. He said, well, they're going to operate according to God's way, not your way. That's the reason you have chapter 12, 13, and 14 in 1 Corinthians to explain how the gifts of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> what they're for, and how they're to operate. Because they were out of line. They, they would just accept anything, well, thus says the Lord. And it wasn't judged, it wasn't, you know, there was no spiritual discernment. They were just letting a lot of false stuff pass. And uh, everybody came, they wanted to put on a show. And the gospel gathering of believers is not a show. At least it's not supposed to be. And so there's a, there's a problem here with the Corinthian church. So he goes throughout 1st and 2nd Corinthians bringing correction to their misplaced assessment of how spiritual they were. Have you ever met somebody that thought they were just all that bag of chips kind of Christian? <laughs> you know, just all that. And they were just, just so marvelous, so wonderful, so so great, and, and they weren't. <laughs> I've told you before about the one, one gal came in one time to the church over at Reynoldsburg, and uh, she came, well, she was, she was dressed nice. She was, she was decked out. This is back when you could wear furs and not have people uh, yell at you for it. But <laughs> it's back in the 80s. Okay. And uh, she came up and she says, I'm, I'm looking for a church. And he says, but more than that, I'm looking for a pastor. And uh, I liked what I heard today. And uh, what I do is I, uh, I give my tithes to the pastor. And uh, my tithes on a, on a month my ties may be five thousand dollars. Say what? <laughs> and I, I, I give that to the man of God. I, I give that straight to him. If I sell property, I give a, a tithe to the, the pastor. And I said, I was, well, ma'am, I'm sorry. That's that's not biblical. You know, uh, I, I'm under a, a restriction. I I submit to the my leaders here, my, my board, and tithes are to come into the storehouse, not to the manager's office. <laughs> you know, they come into the storehouse and then we divide them. And she didn't like that. Mm -hmm. She wanted control. She wanted she wanted uh, to be large and in charge. And uh, that was her last trip there. <laughs> Even though she said God sent her there. You know, I've always been a little, I'm sorry, I have a suspicious bone in my body. When God sent me here, and then they don't show back up. I says, God, could we talk? Why, why did you send them here for about an hour and a half? You know, I could. But uh, did you ever think about it all on occasion like this morning? You know? <laughs> but uh, the she thought that she was just above living according to the word. She was just telling me all the great spiritual things she'd done and 
everybody she supported and all this, that, and the other. How nice for you. Isn't it supposed to be about Jesus? Yes. Isn't church supposed to be about Jesus? And not you, not me. And uh, they were, the Corinthian church was putting on quite a show. And so, in this lengthy letter, Paul has to address how they're behaving, not just with the sin issue, but later on he also addresses how they're doing the Lord's Supper. In chapter 11, he deals with that. He's going straight through chapter 5, the incest issue, the puffed up stuff, all this kind of things. He gets up to chapter 11 and says, and another thing, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there's something else. When you gather together on the Lord's Day to remember the, the Lord's sacrifice, you guys are even messed that up, these spiritual giants. Because what they, anybody remember what they were doing when they gathered together for the, the uh, Lord's Supper? They were eating, boozing it up, and they would they would do it before the people who were indentured servants could make it to church. Because they didn't want to eat with the riffraff, you know. And so they'd have their big party and slip in a little something about Jesus' death and body and blood, and then they'd be drunken skunks by the end of the meal. And by the time the indentured servants, which were kind of the lower caste people, came in, they, all they get to do is clean up the table after the meal. And he says, no, no, no. <coughs> Don't you remember that on the night our Lord was betrayed, he took bread? He says, do this in remembrance of me. It's not a gluttonous party. It's a remembrance. And, and you know, some of you are taking this like you deserve it rather than discerning that the Lord's body and blood was shed for your sin. He says, some of you have died because of that. Some people in your church have died because of that. Not discerning. That this is not about a free meal. This is about the Last Supper of Jesus Christ. And he illustrated his body would be broken and his blood shed. And they made it into a party time. So if you had any inclination that these, oh, I want to be like that Corinthian church. They had it going on. Yeah, they <coughs> did have it going on. It was just wrong. But aren't you glad that the Lord loves us enough to send correction? Paul didn't just say, I've written you all. No, he wrote two letters to him by the Holy Spirit. And, and perhaps in, in some of the verbiage, perhaps other letters that were not recorded for us that were more of a personal nature. But these were two that were sent by the Holy Spirit through Paul because he cares about them. He wants to get them back on track. He wants to get them back where they need to be. So, they're puffed up, arrogant, tolerant of sin, 
making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. But boy, did they have stuff going on in the church service. <laughs> it was hopping in the, in the church service. He says, why is it when you get there, in chapter 12, he says, why, when you get together, every one of you thinks that they have a word from the Lord. And every one of you thinks they have a message in tongues or interpretation or, or a prophecy or discerning of spirits. And every one of you is talking at the same time because it's all about you. And none of it's about God. So he takes them through a very quick course on the way things ought to operate in a spiritual service. And that brings us to our subject for the day in our, as we're looking through every book of the Bible, prayer principles that we find. We're looking at one today. In the midst of the in-depth teaching about the Holy Spirit and the gifts, the first principle he brings up, praying in the Spirit. What does Paul say about praying in the Spirit? We, I read it again. It was a long time ago. I didn't have to talk about it. Sorry about that. It, let me, back there at uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and uh, verse 15. Somebody read that. Chapter 14, verse 15 for me. What is the confusion? I will pray, pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I also will sing with the understanding. Okay. He's talking about praying in the Spirit, praying with the understanding. And uh, in order to kind of decode this, we need to walk through what he's talking about. Praying in the Spirit is an aspect of praying with the Holy Spirit working through you to make intercession. Uh, look at uh, Romans, I don't have it up there right now, but Romans 8, verse 26 through 29. Let me see if I can find it. I know it's in there somewhere. Romans 8, 26 through 28. Who'll do that one for me? So I've given you a break. I've talked all this time. Yeah. yeah. yeah I got it. She's got it. She's got it. She got her hand up first. That. I got it. Romans 8, 26 through 28. Okay. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Okay. So pray to the Spirit is the Holy Spirit praying through us in languages that, uh, or groanings, languages that we cannot comprehend. The mind is not fruitful. 
let me take you back to what we're talking about here. The in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when somebody is baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence, uh, Corinthians 12, 5 through 7, says this, that, well, I have it there for a moment. Well, I have it. Did you lose it? Well, I don't think I did, but but it's saying that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everybody. That everyone, when receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, has the ability to pray in the Spirit. Uh, a new language. On the day of Pentecost, when they were gathered and the Holy Spirit came down, 120 people began to praise God in languages not of their knowing. It wasn't that they learned, went to school and learned a new language. It was the Holy Ghost giving them a language. And we know they were real languages because when they left the upper room, they went to the Temple Mount. And there was all these people up there for the Feast of Pentecost that we talked about a couple times ago. And, uh, and they were there from every country in the world at that time, the whole Roman Empire. And they said, what does this mean? And some people say, ah, a bunch of drunks. It's early in the day and they've already been hitting the sauce. But no, he says, no. These are not drunken. Uh, why is it that we are hearing them in our native tongue from the land we came from? And they're not talking about themselves. They're talking about the glories and wonders of God. These are a bunch of them, Galileans. The Biblical hillbillies. Okay. How many of you ever been called anybody come from the hills? Or hill folk, hillbillies. My whole my whole family, the roots of my family, we walk on a tilt because we're out of the hills, and, and uh, you know we y'all and usins, and I had to go teach get English taught to me, taught to me. Uh, so I could communicate. I'd go to school and they talk about a washcloth. I had no idea what they were talking about. What is it from down south? Wash rag. Wash rag. Now you get that out of the lot. You know, we down south we had to learn how to talk all over again. I never lived down south except southern Ohio, but my grandparents and all the family, when they get together for a a family reunion, oh my goodness gracious. Well, the Galileans were the hillbillies of the Bible. They say, aren't these all Galileans? They got a twang in there. They're from the hill country up north. They're not civilized. Just look at them. You can tell by looking at them. They don't know what they And how in the world are those guys talking in Latin? How are those guys who never went to school a day in their life talking in uh, the language of the Cappadocians. How, 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 how are they doing that? It was the Holy Spirit giving them a language. And they spoke. Now, the interpretation that was coming that, they were just speaking and the people were hearing them in their own language. So it was kind of a dual miracle. 
So when someone received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is that initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. And that's kind of a private thing between you and God. When we don't know what to pray for, as we said there in Romans, the Holy Spirit helps us, giving us words of a language that we don't know that he does. And the Lord knows all the languages of the earth. How does he know all the languages of the earth? Because he created them. Remember the Tower of Babel? Uh, they all were one language. And the Jews say, well, it was Hebrew. And the Hispanics say it was Mexican. It was, it was Spanish. But we don't know what the original language was, but we know after that, they, they couldn't hand each other a trowel or a hammer because they couldn't communicate anymore. The Lord confounded their languages. But on the day of Pentecost, even those from other places understood what was being said. They were the interpreters. Um, so there's the personal aspect of speaking or praying in the Spirit. Then Paul goes on to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are for public use and public interpretation in the worship service. And that, you know, we need to uh, realize that. The manifestation is available to everyone, but not everyone will operate in the public gift of tongues. And if somebody operates in the public gift of tongues, what are they to pray? For the interpretation to come. And uh, so that it can be edifying, it can be building up. The, uh, the early church, the only evidence of someone receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was accepted by the early church was the initial physical evidence of speaking in languages they didn't know. You remember Simon Peter, uh, he never traveled more than 100 miles from where he was born. He didn't know a whole lot of languages. But on the day of Pentecost, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in a new language between him and God. And uh, in Acts chapter 10, they sent, they sent for him, and the Lord said, I want you to go, and I want you to go and tell these Gentiles up in Caesarea, Maritime, about Jesus. And Peter didn't want to do it, because he didn't think Gentiles deserved to have the gospel. And the Lord let down a, you remember the whole story, he's up at supper time, lets down this basket full of snakes and creepy things and pigs and whatever. And he says, I've never eaten anything unclean like that. And the Lord says, what I've made clean, don't you call unclean. So he went up there, and while he was still speaking, while he was still talking, the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit fell on all those and they all began to speak in other tongues. And, uh, and praise God. And Peter's shocked. Peter, well, didn't expect that. <laughs> he says, they've received the Holy Spirit just like we did on the first day. So Peter's in trouble now. Why is Peter in trouble? 
Because they didn't understand. No. The other Jews didn't. Why is Peter in trouble? Yeah. The other Jews didn't approve no. Because he had to go back to the apostles in Jerusalem and explain why he stayed a few days and ate supper and ministered to Gentiles. Because at that time they didn't think it was for the non-Jews. They thought it was just another part of being a Jew. And so Pete comes back and he tells him the story and he said, here's the way, I love the way Peter tells it. He said, and, and as, I, as I spoke, the Holy Spirit fell on them just like it did on us at the beginning. And they, they spoke in languages that they didn't know. And so Peter just says, what was I to do? You know, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't baptize them with the Holy Spirit. And the early church, the, the apostles said, this is the proof. Because it happened just like it happened to us. So, the baptism of the Holy Spirit enters the gate with that ability to pray in a language that you've never learned. We call it a prayer language, or we call it praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. And Paul, as we mentioned earlier, said, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. He doesn't understand what it's... You say, well, what good is that? And I, I found that out. I, I was a questioner. Uh, I was a Methodist pastor, and, and I said, boy, that doesn't make any sense, a lick of sense to me. You know, why would you, why would you do that? And the Holy Spirit began to remind me, there's a lot of times I don't know how to pray. How many of you have ever had situations, you just don't know how to pray about it? Just don't know, have no clue. You don't know anything, you, you know. You don't want to pray amiss. You don't want to mess things up worse than they're messed up. And that's what's going on in praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows us to pray in a language that God understands that we don't. So it's not, by, it's not going through the mind where we're figuring out what to say. It's a Holy Spirit anointing. And Paul said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. But I'm also going to pray in the understanding. It's not either or, it's both and. And uh, I'll sing in the Spirit. And I'll sing with the understanding. I remember my own personal journey as a pastor. I was, <coughs> most of you know my story not a great story, but it's my story. Uh, I was pastoring in the Methodist church, and I went to a, I was given a full ride for my master's program at a very liberal United Methodist seminary. I was conservative. I went to Asbury College, very conservative school. And so I was kind of amazed. My district superintendent said, Ken, he says, I've arranged for you to have a complete full ride for your Master of Divinity program. What's the catch? Well, you've got to go to United Theological Seminary. Very liberal group, even back in the 70s. And uh, I prayed about it and sensed it was a, it was a God thing. But uh, I got there and 
boy, it was tough. I didn't, I didn't know how to conduct myself around people that were so wacko liberal. They didn't believe in the Bible. They didn't believe it was the word of God. It was the word of men. It was, they, didn't, they didn't believe in being born again. Not a single professor believed in being born again. One guy said, I'm agnostic. Maybe it exists outside of my frame of reference. It was just an evil place, you know. They were well-intentioned. They just weren't saved. Uh, and, and so me and my buddies, we were all pastoring Methodist churches in southern Ohio and traveling every day to classes at the seminary in Dayton. And every day we went in, because we were all conservative, believed the Bible and such, we were under attack. You know, we'd be sitting in a class, an Old Testament class, I recall, and uh, they'd say, "Well, let's hear, let's hear what the what the conservative uh, believe, the, your group." And they laugh at us. They just poke fun and laugh at us. And so, you know, we're young. We're we with God's help, we can take it. <laughs> Wanted to kill them, but I. I, I <laughs> Just being honest, just being honest, and uh, so I, uh, we start, we 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 prayed the whole way there every day. It was a, about an hour's journey. We prayed every day just to make it through and keep our faith, because they would just come after us, and uh, because we had the audacity to believe that the Bible was true. Uh, one one occasion when we were. In the Old Testament seminar, uh, I had just read some stuff, and and the Lord guided me in that. And the guy gets up, he says, uh, "What? You know, it was no miracle for the children of Israel to have that that manna every day. It was no miracle." He says because you see, in the desert, there's a certain type of army ant which produces a, a mound of, of regurgitated stuff and it looks like a loaf of bread and uh, that's what they got up and ate. And I said, sir? Yeah, Keen. What, what do you conservatives believe? I said, well, I just read an article about that. And that little loaf is supposed to last the family of ants, an anthill, their entire life. So if every day the children of Israel ate it all, all the ants would die. And where's the mounds going to come from? Next chapter! <laughs> But as we, as we are trying to stay, keep our heads on straight, we, we're just being under attack. And as we're praying, every one of us in that carpool began to see that when the early church was under persecution, when the apostles were under, they relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit. We were 
we were studying together in the Word how that when Peter and John, remember when they were they were used to heal the layman, and then they were thrown in jail and smacked around and beat up. I said, "Don't you ever talk in the name of that Jesus again?" Says, "Well, we there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved." And so they went back. They'd just been beaten, kept in prison, went back. They told the, their fellow believers. And it says that the place where they prayed was shaken. Remember we talked about that two yeah. weeks ago? And they were all freshly filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So we were said we need the boldness <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been taught against this baptism of the Holy Spirit growing up. I've been taught it's a bunch of fanatics, a bunch of fruitcakes and nut jobs. <laughs> well, I guess it's true. Because <laughs> I am one. Uh, but it got to the place where I didn't care about that. I just wanted to survive. I just wanted to survive. And uh, so I would pray and guys in the prayer group, the, the, the carpool were praying, and one by one we got alone with God, and I remember when it happened, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I was by myself, Linda had gone up to Columbus uh, to visit with her mom, and I was all by myself in the big old parsonage, and I'd gotten to the bottom bottom of the barrel. I said, Lord, I really just don't want to go to, go on trying to pastor in my own strength. I need this Holy Spirit baptism of power. I wasn't praying for the tongues. That, that was immaterial to me. I wanted the power. Amen. I wanted the power to survive. And there, by an overstuffed chair in my, my living room all by myself, I just turn myself loose and said, Lord, I don't understand it. It doesn't make it a lick of sense to me. But if that's what what it is, I, I want to be filled with your spirit. And I began to praise him in language. I first, just in my mind, saw a couple words and I spoke them out and then it began to flow. I, I couldn't explain it. I couldn't even teach it to anybody because I didn't understand myself. And then I just began to pour into the word again and look at first, second, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and learn about the manifestation gets to everyone, but not everybody's used in the gifts all at the same time. And uh, the Lord just began to remind me of scriptures that I'd studied before. I was a little confused because I was thinking, maybe I need to take that overstuffed chair with me to church. <laughs> and... Uh, and because that's where I received the baptism. In, you know. But what happened was, I, I had a number of people in the Methodist church, and they were all wanting more of God, more of Jesus. And we began to meet, and I didn't even pray for them, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, because they were reaching out to God. And I know some, many have said, well, I've been seeking the baptism for many, many years. Keep seeking you know, I can't baptize you. I'm not going to give you a step one, two, and three. Seek God. Seek God. And say, Lord, I, 
I see in the Word that it's something that I, I could really use to empower me and to give me a way to pray when I don't know how to pray. So well, I've prayed before. Well, here's some other verses that we read the one. Jude, verse 20, says this. There's only one chapter that's reason there's no chapter reference. Jude only, verse 20. But you, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So praying in the Spirit is not only helping us pray when we don't know how to pray, as in Romans 8, but also uh, it builds us up as the Holy Spirit is flowing through us and it encourages us. Ephesians, can I get somebody to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18? Who do that? Okay, Marcia's got it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you would will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Okay. Part of the armor of God is also listed as praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Uh, so, bottom line is this. The prayer language is considered the initial physical evidence of the baptism. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are mentioned there. The bottom line is Jesus is the baptizer. Not some personality, not some preacher, not some book that you read. And we talked to the baptizer. We're going to have a water baptism service here coming up. And uh, uh, I am going to be the baptizer in that. But when we're talking about the spirit baptism, Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one that immerses us in a fresh touch of his Holy Spirit. And everybody who's going to be baptized has to sign up. I don't go out and say, you want to be baptized? No. They sign up. I've got a good, I've got several of our youth are just recently saved and are signed up to be baptized. I didn't go after them. I never asked a one of them. We have people young and old that are going to be baptized in water. And they requested it. They want to be in line to receive. 
And that's how it happened for me. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit because I sought to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Nothing of me. There were some reservations that I had about it because I've been taught. How many of you have been in your past have been taught against the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of this stuff? Well, I was too. You know, I was. I had all the arguments ready to go until I really needed the fullness of the Spirit. There can be hindrances that people can experience in receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And one is being have been subjected to false teaching about it. Uh, Paul obviously believes in it. Amen? Yes. Um, Jesus obviously believed in it. He said, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit not, not many days hence. And what happened when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? What in the world did they do in that upper room? They all spoke with tongues and gave glory to God. Uh, so, the Bible teaches us Jude, as we read, the book of Romans, Paul, all these others, uh, there's adequate teaching about receiving the, the operation of the prayer language. But another hindrance is fears. Some people don't like to not be in control of themselves or their situation. I don't know, I'm one of those. I'm, you know, I had to pray through a lot of my quirks and and uh, mindsets and adages that I've been taught and my mindset. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me, so I'm not going after it. If you can put it aside and say, Lord, I desire to be filled with your Holy Spirit, you put the ball in his court. And you just keep seeking. You just keep waiting and praying. And if the Lord reveals something that's a hindrance or a blockage, with God's help, you pray through it. I, that sounds kind of simplistic, but I can only go with my own personal experience. Some people have had some glorious experiences, like upper room experiences, but how long have they been praying when they got it? Long time. Could you be more specific? They call that seeking. Ten days. Ten days. They've been praying nine days for ten days. I haven't done that recently. How about you? But uh, you know, the, the seeking, uh, when I got to the place where I said, I really don't want to go on in ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I, I never asked, I never asked, I didn't understand enough to ask about the toes thing. I was, says, I want the, the power of the Holy Spirit to go on. And I got the bonus. So, uh, it's available for everyone. That's what Peter said to the, to the people on the day of Pentecost. This is available to you and your children and as many as our God shall call. It's available to all. And it may take you time to pray through one. You know, how many of you have ever had to do something that it took you a while to get yourself ready to do it? Yeah. Know what I'm talking about? Well, what are some things that are like that? It just took you a while to work through some things. Yes? Trying to 
go to teach in class. <laughs> Took you a while. She was a little reticent, a little hesitant, and uh, well, I guess, I, I guess, okay, you know. Uh, she had to pray through on some things. Uh, I know uh, my different people that uh, we've taken Israel, they had to pray through on well, I, oh, I don't know if I could do that. I, you know, what about this? And what about this? And they're afraid because of what they see in the news and whatever. And I said, well, if I if I was afraid, I wouldn't be going. And I wouldn't have taken all my kids with me and my wife and my close friends, thoroughly safe. But some people need to work through fears and questions and and things and that's okay that's okay uh, it's not something that is forced on us it's available to us and so I've always encouraged people to uh, be like me oh not not in in a haughty way get by yourself <laughs> you and God <laughs> when there's nobody else around and just Open your heart to God. Some people are intimidated if they come forward at an altar for prayer or have someone lay hands on them. They're, in, they're thinking, well, what are they expecting? You know, they tense up and tighten up. Any of you tighten up in a public venue? Anybody here? Yes. Just kind of... And uh, when I used to judge the uh, fine arts competitions... Some of the kids, I, I hear them practicing in the back. You know, and they were marvelous. And they got out in front of some ugly judges like myself, and they just clammed up. They just froze. And then, and they couldn't, they, they couldn't get their 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 language out. If they were singing a song, it was off key. Uh, they just couldn't relax. And others just come out and you say, boy, why couldn't I be like that guy? Get alone with God. That's, that's my personal recommendation. Get alone with God and seek, keep seeking. And then when you receive, give me a shout. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, anything, if you want to meet with me privately, we can, we can talk about it. I can show you all the scriptures. We've only had a chance to look at just a minuscule amount of the scriptures today. But uh, but uh, Paul was in favor of it. Jesus obviously was. And uh, Peter and John and the rest of them. And they all talk at one place or another about praying in the Spirit. Yes? Um, going back to uh, speaking in tongues, um, I have it written down here in my Bible where I've, I've heard that it's preached, you know, said during preaching at one time, and it's um, chapter 13, verse 10, and it's some, some people use that as doing away with gift of tongues. Yeah, some people say that, you know, well, that's, that's not for that today. Verse. Well, um, it says, it but when but when that which is perfect is come, 
then that which is in part shall be done away. Right. It's, it's taking a portion of scripture. The yeah. theme, uh, let's see, I've got five minutes. Let me try this in five minutes. Mark me down. Okay. Click start. Okay. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians talks about the reality of, first of all, the manifestation of the Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, is, getting, is available to everyone. Now, not everyone is going to be used in all the gifts, because they're a, a public thing, uh, you know, you may or may not be. There may be uh, a message in tongues, an interpretation, a gift, a word of prophecy, you know, different things. You may not be used in those public gifts, but you need to be open to be used. Uh, then it goes on and says, you know, there's different gifts, but the same spirit. Oh, it's the same Holy Spirit. And he says, it's kind of like this. He says, you got yourself a body, and you got a hand. But just because the hand isn't the foot, doesn't mean it's not a part of the body. I love Paul's illustrations. Yeah. He said, just because it's not a foot, doesn't make, mean it's not essential to the body. And, you know, there's different gifts and things that you say, well, I don't see the essential nature of that. He says, well... You know, it's a, just a different part of the body. And then he goes on and he says, you know, I want you to desire these spiritual gifts. I want you to just want them really bad for your church. And then he says at the end of chapter 12, but let, let me tell you a better way than just coveting or wanting those gifts to operate like you Corinthians do. You know, they were all about the, the show and you know, all this kind of stuff. He says, let me show you a better way. If you speak with tongues of men and angels, but you have not love, it doesn't work. You can do all these things and have all these gifts operating, but if it's all about you, you got nothing. And then he talks about that love is the glue that holds the gifts and the fruits and the church together. And he said, you know, we're living in imperfect times. He says, there's coming a day when everything will be just right. But until that time, there abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And then, he goes on to chapter 14. Everybody remembers that there were no chapters or verses in the original manuscript. It just goes straight through 12, 13, 14, okay? It's a continuous read. So then he goes on and says, this is how the public gifts work. They need to work in love, not in showiness. He says, if there's a message in tongues, there may be just a couple, and they'll be interpreted, but no more than that. He says, you guys are out of bounds. You're just wacky. You're, you're weird. He said, you know, it's, it's, it's to build us up, to edify us, not to put on a show. It's not about you. It's about God wanting to talk to his people. God wants to minister to his people. God wants to reveal things to his church. It has nothing to do with you other than you being usable of God. So in the 13th chapter, when it talks about 
when that which is perfect is come, then that which is imperfect will be done away with. It doesn't say anything about doing away with the gifts. Because three verses later, they're telling you more about the gifts, right? And who's telling you? Paul, by the Holy Spirit. So if he, he was going to say, well, you know, this is going to cancel out, so I won't tell you anything more about the gifts. That's stupid. That's just dumb. People take verses out of context all the time. And, and uh, if it was, if there was going to be no need for chapter 14, it probably wouldn't be there. But he goes on to examine and, and say in chapter 14 how that chapter 14 so he's bringing it to a conclusion this discussion of the manifestation of the spirit, praying in the spirit and the public gifts of the spirit, even so you since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, you want this stuff to operate, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel it's not about you getting up in front and making noise and have people think how spiritual you are. No. Therefore, let him who speaks in the tongue pray that he may interpret. Because it's not about you. It's about the body being edified. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So everybody just praying in tongues doesn't help anybody. Except the person is just feeling better about himself. What's the conclusion then? He brings it all down. I'm going to pray with the Spirit. I'm going to pray with the understanding. I'm going to sing with the Spirit. I'm going to sing with the understanding. He said, I, you know, it's not either or, it's both and. And it's for the edification, the building up of the church and believers. So, you know, those are some of the proof texts that people use to try and say, well, it's it's going to cease. Well, obviously not before the end of the next chapter. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and not by the uh, one of the latest books in the New Testament, the book of Jude. Pray always, building up yourself, pray in the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Why is the church, some churches, why it so? Is it fear? It can't be fear. That's why some of these things, uh, they've received some different teaching. And, that, you know, it's understandable. I've, I've received different teaching. You know, I wanted to go back and talk to some of, some of my folks at, at Asbury and say, hey, cool. But I, I, I ran into some of them not long ago online, and they've been filled with the Spirit now, so, so they, they have a different opinion. But uh, it... Uh, how you were raised. How you were raised affects a lot, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You know, how you were raised, you know. And uh, so some were raised with a bent, eh, that's, that's wrong, that's out of bounds. And I, I was raised that way, so I understand it. I understand it. Another reason, uh, if, you, if you want the when the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, when these things are operating, the Lord can reveal things that some people don't want revealed. Mm -hmm. And there can be some fear about that. 
the, the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in any situation. Believe that? I do. Yes. Yes. And he knows what's around the corner, and we don't. So uh, uh, there can be fear. There can be our mindset. Well, I've always just, I never believed in that, and I just won't accept it. Fine. Don't accept it. Uh, I'm just saying, I've never been afraid of a single thing Jesus had for me. And he's the baptizer. How do I know that? John the Baptist said, when I baptize you with water, but one's coming after me who's mightier than I, whose shoes are not worthy to untie. And when he comes, buddy, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, in the fire of God, yes. the zeal of God. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Jesus told him, he says, don't leave Jerusalem without the promise of the Father, which you heard about from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized not many days hence by the Holy Spirit. So, you know, some people dismiss it. I have relatives that dismiss it. We don't fight about it. I just say, well, you got problems interpreting the Bible without the Holy Spirit in it. So, We'll have to stop there for today. And like I say, jot down questions and we'll, we'll try to respond to you with scriptures and whatever. My recommendation is get along with God. What could be wrong with that? See, I could take that, that recipe from Pastor. Get along with God and just seek God. And if, if you're not filled with His Holy Spirit at that point, just keep seeking. And uh, God's faithful. He's no respecter of person because he can use a lunkhead like me. Not me personally. He can use a lunkhead like you. <laughs> let's, let's go to prayer today. And, uh, well, before we do that, I got a song I found. Got an old, old song. I got a Imagine that. Pastor had it. Imagine that. Uh, now this is this this is a song from back in the eighties. So it's not that well it's how many years ago was the eighties? Ten years. Many moons ago. Math wasn't your subject, was it, Kim? I was a young man then. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Not the 1880s. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, could, I could, couldn't pass. <laughs> I tell you, God, I give you the hand. In life, there are things that confront us. But I know who to go to in prayer.
Yes. Uh, please pray for this young boy, Dalton, Dalton Shaw. 
dad you know, left him and, and the mother's left with three children. And it's, I, she goes to church, but you know this lady needs help and her son is acting out. So pray that God will work in his life. Dalton, was it? Yeah, Dalton. Uh, prayer request that uh, I can't go into all the details, but uh, the Keast family, I think most of you know them, one of our newer families. Uh, he's a tall, Chuck's tall, Sierra, his wife. She has uh, some very serious surgery coming up and does not have insurance. And it may be up to six months recovery. And uh, so she's not able to work right now. And so it's a massive need and need for intervention. And what's her name? Sierra Keast. Keast. And uh, one of her one of her kids is going to be baptized. Uh, they got saved up at Camp Syker. Uh, we had two of her kids were no three of her kids were at Camp Syker, and uh, uh, so they're just going through a real struggle and. Uh, very serious surgery. So we pray for healing and for God's intervention. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem for us. Also pray uh, for in political wise for uh, Trump how one man can have all these things come on in it's a, they when they when they used to used to play backyard football, we'd call it piling on. <laughs> you know? My goodness gracious! Yeah, let's wait we for need the to last pray for Hawaii. Hawaii, yes, oh, Maui. Yes, Maui. Yes. Situation in Maui. I've never been. I maybe you've been to Hawaii. Oh my God, yeah, Mary Lou used to live there. Yeah. 
Tom was over here working, been working quite a bit on different things in the church, and boy, he he looked wrung out yesterday when he uh -huh. when he left. He he went up into the the abyss, which is the upstairs of the barn. <laughs> Never been up there. Yeah, probably not the best place for someone with breathing issues to go. Yeah. But, uh, <coughs> well, let's go to prayer and and somebody, several somebodies, lead us out in a word of prayer today, and uh, <coughs> close in just a little bit. Dear Lord Jesus, we truly thank you for your goodness, kindness, and mercy. We thank you that you're the rock that we can stand on in time of storm. We ask you to put down all these requests, Lord. Especially the people in Maui, Lord. We ask you to put the Blessing, Lord, down upon them. Help them, guide them, and see where the help comes from, Lord. I ask you to look down at the prayers of my sisters and my brothers. Just look down upon them, because up to like incense before the Lord. Look down upon our pastor, Lord. Guy is footsteps, Lord. That every place he steps, Lord, it's guided by you, Lord. Mighty God, we truly are a thankful people. And for the many, many, many blessings, Lord, we ask you to look down on the ex president from Lord. God, he keeps your hand upon him. The enemy is coming against him, Lord. But I believe, oh, there's been many, 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 many prayers to help the state of Mighty God, we thank you. We thank you that we love that the Holy Ghost is a comforter in the time of need, Lord. Thank you. We give you all the love, all the praise, and all the glory. Forever you are the mighty God, Lord. We love you. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. So Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we just praise you. We yes. just thank you. We thank you for what you've done in Heidi's life. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue, Lord, and draw her. Draw her, let her know that you were there. Lord, we thank you that we can put on the armor of God that you have given us. 
And we pray, Lord, that as we come together, that we lift up those that need your strength, your healing touch. Lord, for Becky, Sophia, I pray, Lord, that you'll just heal this food poisoning that it's created such a havoc in their system. Lord, we thank you that you've brought the family, the Keats family to us, and we pray, Lord, that you'll be with Sierra, Lord, and, and just uh, give her a peace, let her know, Lord, that you hold her in your hand, and I pray, Lord, that you'll work a mighty miracle yes. in her life. Lord, we thank you that, that you are so faithful. You're so faithful. And that we can see and look back and know when you've carried yes. us through situations yes. that we have no control over, but you know and that you control. And we just praise you. Lord, help us to see your power, your Holy Spirit. We just thank you for that gift that you've given to us freely. Lord, we thank you. And we praise you for taking care of Pastor through all of this summer, Lord, of these trips. Lord, we just thank you for his testimony that you have kept him out in the palm of your As you keep each one of us, we just thank you for it. We praise you for yes. Jesus. Father God, we do come in the name that's above every other name. Amen. Come in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our personal Lord and God. We ask, Father, that you would make us aware of those things that we need to pray for. Situations that need your touch. Help us to be alert and aware of opportunities to pray for others. We pray, Father, for this upcoming weekend where we touch our community with the food outreach. And we've got so many extra blessings to pass out this month. We ask, Lord, that with, with this opportunity, we'll touch lives, be able to pray with people. People would be saved, healed, filled with your spirit, touched by your power, given guidance and direction. Father, we, just as much as we need physical food, we need spiritual food as well. We pray for each person that's been lifted up as needing prayer today. From physical needs to emotional, to struggles, to fears, to all kinds of things. We come against the enemy today because yes. he would depress and discourage people from seeking more of you 
And we pray, Father, that you would just rebuke the enemy and set him running. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we have authority and power to resist him in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Father, that you would give us direction and guidance in our lives, in our church. Father, that we would grow not because of numbers, but because of this as being a place where people can be discipled and trained about you to go out and touch our world. We praise you, Father, for all of these things. We pray for the services tonight with all the different age groups being involved that you would meet with your church tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just want to know, is there going to be a fight back there? Is there any of that peanut butter bar left? There's going to be a fight back there. I'm sorry I kept you so long today. My apologies. I'm a bad boy.
Pastor. It was great today. Thank you.
Oh, there's nothing. There's just no more. Two more what? There's peanut butter. 